let's hit the actual intro thing and get get going on this. All right, ready? Three, two, Sounds one, good. and go. So, hey everyone. Happy Friday, officially. Welcome to the 125th episode of the Digital Cash Rundown. As it's a weekly show, I mean, that's 125 weeks. That's a long time. It's a, what, like, th- coming up on three years or something? Not bad. Uh, I'm joined by the one and only Nergirl007, or Nicole, as she's more more commonly known. Or, I don't know, which, which do you think is more common? I think that people, mo- that more people don't know that my name is Nicole and that I'm more known as Nerd Girl. Because, like, if I go to events or things, people are like, hey, are you Nerd Girl? Never, ever, nobody's ever like, hey, are you Nicole? Yeah. It is kind of crazy because you think that Nerd Girl is a, the combination without the vowels and with the 007, it might be unique, mm-hmm. but you'd think that Nerd Girl as a, not is not completely unique out there as far as a pseudonym, you know? Yeah, but, you know, those are my initials, NG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, like, very deliberate part of my branding. Yeah. I mean, it worked out pretty well. I mean, it's... Now, the Desert Lynx, on the other hand, has nothing to do with my actual name. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a different story. But uh, anyway, uh, remember, if you have one of my NFTs, you can leave Super Chats in the NFT in the Digital Cash Rundown channel my Discord. And... There you go. If not, you have to dump in the regular live chat, and then it's by my discretion if I answer your comments or not. So, you know, if there's some stuff that absolutely needs to be answered, I'll, I'll definitely put it in. But otherwise, and I did, you know. and I did ask my friend Rags to Riches to mm-hmm. drop in to the live chat. I don't know if he will or if he'll stay for very long. But if you could, like, keep an eye out for if he makes a comment, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, there he is. Hey, hey. um. The pyramid logo that looks a lot like the El Dorado market, which is one of the Maya protocol front ends, but it probably is just a complete coincidence. Um, anyway, maybe a crown or something. Oh, anyway, before we get too much into this kind of semantics, um, the market dumped. Yep. I didn't. The only reason I know it dumped. Oh, I mean, some people I saw it mentioned on Twitter, but the only reason I it. it caught my attention at all is i got a, a text from a family member who's like oh are you okay and i'm just like well, <laughs> well, what happened and i just look i'm like ah oh, just yeah another dump i mean in my 10 years in crypto i've seen this a few times i'm not gonna, <laughs> i'm not gonna get spooked but what happened is all right switch to the story spacex mm-hmm. bitcoin write down sparks confusion bitcoiners quiz elon musk elon musk revealed that spacex holds bitcoin <laughs> On its balance sheet in 2021, but the exact amount of the company's holdings remain unknown. So, but more specifically about this thing, basically people thought, or by people, I got to scroll down here, Bitcoin Magazine. God damn it. Right. Okay. Not a news source by any standard, right? You know, like 100% above board all the time. Mm -hmm. Of course. (laughs) They said, breaking Elon Musk's SpaceX sold all its $373 million in Bitcoin, according to the Wall Street Journal. That's what they said. Now, Community Notes jumped on and just said there's no evidence to support this. Um, it did not. They, the Wall Street Journal did not say that they sold this much. 
Uh, there's actually there's also no evidence provided proving when a sale occurred and how much was sold. And so basically, uh, they marked down the value of their Bitcoin by 373 yes. million, which yes. means that the amount of Bitcoin they hold is now less, 373 million less than it was before. Right. Does not mean, I mean... Essentially, they, they could have sold nothing and Bitcoin's value has just dropped that much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they, mm -hmm. if they, hold, if they held, let's just say, a billion in Bitcoin... That would have been super easy for that to happen. If they, mm -hmm. I do know that they, from what I heard, Elon Musk or Tesla or one of those, again, they're not all the same, even though they're connected, right? But mm -hmm. um, sold some Bitcoin at some point because the value of the holdings was too high for, to qualify for some renewable energy grant or something like that. There were some rumors back in the day. So they probably did sell some at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, nothing happened. And thanks, Bitcoin Magazine, you tanked the whole freaking market. <laughs> like people should be really, really annoyed at them. And then the um, the next story, I mean, next article. Think about Bitcoin Ether price slump leads to crypto bloodbath with one with one billion dollars in liquidations. Wow. So people getting wrecked. Yep. Um, thanks, Bitcoin Magazine. Um, is this really just, do you think this is really just Bitcoin Magazine's FUD that just like piles on? Do you think there's something more? I mean, I don't know. Okay. So having worked in media for a long time, as have you, yes, you know, you know very well that the number one commodity that a magazine or a publication is after is attention so mm -hmm. it's clicks right what they need to prove to sell space to their advertisers is that people click on their articles and read them mm -hmm. so the more clicks they get the longer that people stay on the pages the more that their ad space is worth and that's the name of their game so all that really really matters to a media outlet is mm -hmm. attention and clickbait headlight and clickbait headlines bring that attention. Now that said, like you don't want to completely lose your credibility in the process because once people no longer trust anything that you say, it doesn't matter how clickbait the headline is, no one's going to click it. But Bitcoin Magazine has something of an establishment. People are going to read it regardless anyway. I mean, look, people are still reading CNN. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a, a, a good point about the, um, the media incentives. And it's one reason why I like alternative monetization models over just the ad model. Because mm -hmm. if it's just the ad model, then people will be incentivized to say anything shocking to get attention, they could ruin their credibility. They don't care because as long as they can consistently drive traffic back there, then it, it, it's only if they get really bad to where people see that they've published something and then just will not even click. It's like, mm -hmm. so there's this giant credibility kind of spectrum that they can, this is all worthless. This is worth something. <laughs> this is the mm -hmm. only thing they care about. Now, mm -hmm. if people subscribe to you, to and pay you because they value your content, then the entire spectrum matters, which is kind of interesting because 
Twitter, speaking of Elon Musk, right? X, uh, X.com, whatever you want to call it, um, mm-hmm. does not actually produce content. Now, and they put advertisers on. Creators on Twitter, X, do not get ad revenue directly. They get it indirectly as one of their monetization options. So mm-hmm. definitely the more impressions they do, the better they get paid to a certain extent, but then they also have like subscribers and stuff. And if you have subscribers, then your your posts are boosted in the algorithm, things like that. So okay. it the incentives are a little better. They're not all the way there, though. Mm-hmm. I think that a pure... Um, pay for what you use kind of value like a whether it's pure tipping or pure paid unlocked content type thing is probably the best way to like get the best things but yeah but you know tipping is kind of a bs model because if you write something that's true but the community who you wrote it about doesn't like it or you know then you know they're not like it can be it can be true it can be honest journalism that you spent hours months years weeks compiling and you know coordinating and then get paid nothing for Mm -hmm. yeah i guess so uh which is the hard part about that i've noticed is um audience creation curation because Mm -hmm. if you have a good audience that likes you for what you do then they will they'll pay for the quality of the stuff you put out but if it just oh yeah, you wrote something good about insert your favorite project and people come in and throw you lots of tips and then you say something that doesn't, that kind of pisses them off. Then they don't give tips and unless there's some haters who want to come in and tip you for that, then you just don't right. make anything. So the economics of that are they're, are kind of interesting. But yeah. yeah, so as far as the media thing, so the they clearly did something because they're just grasping at straws for whatever can pump their numbers. Um. I would say it's pretty obvious that affected the price, but the price got hit hard across mm-hmm. the board, basically. Pretty much only Thorchain has the rune token has done pretty well, which is the next set the next subject is a little little interesting. But mm-hmm. um yeah, do you think it almost seems like there might be like have been a capitulation or something kind of percolating on the horizon and this was just a, a this just kind of set it off rather than it caused the whole thing. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. You know, like I can't, I I can honestly say that I know almost nothing about Thorchain, but this is the point in the market cycle where we're like either at the low or very nearly approaching the low. So like this happened in the last cycle too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the only thing that I could see, Potentially, like if we were drawing correlations between this cycle and last cycle, would be what we're in 2023. Okay. In March of, tw- or in February of 2024, sorry, February of 2020, that's when like COVID happened. Everything had been kind of starting to run up, right? Mm-hmm. In like in advance of the halving. And then, you know, the COVID scare happened and Bitcoin drops all the way back down to $3,000. Like that, that could still be coming. That kind of event, of course, that's like a black swan, you know? Yeah. It it does make sense. Uh, the thing is, it just makes so. It kind of reminds me so. Or right when we were talking about the weather and stuff, literally the weather. Um, mm-hmm. Homeless nomad was in the live chat saying, 
did you pick up more crypto? Which ones? And that just reminds me of, first off, I didn't pick up any more crypto because with what? You know, fiat. Uh-huh. Maybe. Uh-huh. But also, if I did, I don't think I would tell anyone because I personally don't like the responsibility of telling people what's going to, or indicating to people what might do well or not do well. Not not only personally, but also I am not good at it. <laughs> you know, I get attracted to projects because, oh, it's this cool thing. I like that. This could change the world. And I get into it and then the price just is awful. And I mean, I just, now I just say like, you know what? I'm only going to make money by working and the work that goes into this. And, you know, we'll see what, we'll see if there's profits, but I, I've decided I'm not like, a good investor but or because i haven't really tried to be honest that hasn't been my focus but i do think that 2025 at the end of the year will probably be the bull top of the next market that would make sense that's like retail mania time yeah yeah and so i would just say if people have projects that they think are valuable and will go up you know around this time this whole year let's be honest has been a great year to accumulate more and then the next two years especially the end of the next one tends to be the year that it goes up according to what we've observed over every single crypto market cycle in the last i don't know how long when was the first market cycle because like bitcoin's been around 2013 okay so decade the last Mm -hmm. decade and i remember when i first got some bitcoin in 2013 it was like 130 dollars per coin then and i got paid in it a little bit and then it went up to 1100 and then it went down to like 190 something and then mm-hmm. there you go the cycles continue so mm-hmm. all that stuff all right do you want to touch on the thor chain stuff yeah we can do that honestly like i don't have very much to add about it mm-hmm. um just i just don't know much about it i know there have been like numerous exploits and issues with Thorchain, but I don't have much, um, mm-hmm. you know, much of value to add on this topic. Yeah. Well, I can carry a lot of it because you I've been, carry it then. I've been you go. very interested in Thorchain for a long time or you know, know. a couple of years. So yeah. anyway, um, Thorchain on the verge of releasing something some some very big upgrades, some very big features, um, got basically got paused. The network got paused because, according to this tweet, right, a responsible disclosure indicates that most threshold signature scheme libraries in production are vulnerable to a threshold signature scheme security issue. Blah blah blah. They should all anyway. So basically, there was a TSS. Let me just abbreviate it to TSS. Now that I've said what it means. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Basically, there was a vulnerability that could affect a whole lot of different cryptocurrencies that use threshold signature schemes that basically aggregated signatures and like a lot of multi-sig type stuff. And basically, if exploited, could result in people like losing a bunch of money from like DeFi protocols and joint custody type things. And basically, well, that's what Thorchain does. And so it was paused because of this vulnerability was kind of disclosed and so to, to give the big the brief thing about Thorchain, um i might be in a little bit of like a um i might be in a little bit of like a 
a bubble on this kind of stuff, but like I'm trying to, I try to look at like big innovators because there's, there's a lot of improvers in this space who like take a thing and do something cool. And like, for example, I think that Dash is one of the best improvers in this space because it took Bitcoin's basic model, but innovated a few other things on top of it to make it like a nice, smooth, fast payment experience type thing. Bitcoin is obviously a huge innovator. Ethereum was mm-hmm. all, obviously a huge innovator. Maybe I would put Zcash in a similar kind of a, a part because of the the zero knowledge proof privacy innovations over the years through Zcash have been pretty huge on that part. But it's but so then one of the the more recent ones I would say is Thorchain that did a thing that nothing else, no one else has done, and uh, basically create a truly cross-chain DEX in a way that could definitely replace centralized exchanges almost entirely, except for, of course, the fiat on-ramp, which Mm -hmm. there are some front ends that do the fiat on-ramp part. Mm -hmm. And so I remember starting to use ThorChain in the early days of 2021 um, during the chaos net phase, which is a a test net, but it was a public test net. They used real assets, but just real assets with capped how much money you could put in there to prevent loss. And it did get hacked a couple times or did have some a few exploits during that time. Since then, it's run pretty, like it hasn't had any exploits as far as I know. It has paused once in a while. There, the, what, Any one of the nodes can like issue like a an emergency pause of the network and then the nodes kind of vote together to like resume the pot, resume the network, whatever. So mm-hmm. it's it's super cutting edge technology that allows us to do some really interesting stuff, which I could do a whole long thing on just what it, all that stuff, but I want to want to bore everyone. But so this could be something that's very. This is why like a lot of these things are still kind of um, have to be worked out to be really. Um, they have to be really careful to make sure that nothing crazy gets kind of introduced into this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what that happened, what happened with this. Now, what makes this interesting, however, more interesting than I should say, after two big innovations were released recently, one is called streaming swaps, which basically breaks up swaps into very small pieces so you don't get slippage. So basically they, they've gotten swap fees competitive or better than like even like a Coinbase or like a centralized exchange like that which mm-hmm. is huge. And then they released or are about to release a decentralized lending protocol mm-hmm. and a zero interest, no liquidation lending protocol, which is very interesting. And right when they're about to do that is when this, this thing gets disclosed and they go get it. Now, the interesting part here is how that happened. So this fellow, Tyler Reynolds, salute you dude. <laughs> he found out about this. He was made aware of this um, exploit and then he reached out to the team and then they paused stuff. But during this time, there was a massive short opened up on the price of Rune, Thorchain's native token, during this time. And basically, there's some, and he, he said, uh, the question for me is who is behind this massive short? I do not believe for a moment that it was organically promoted by influencers who use technical analysis to rally their followers to short an asset that had risen 60% in the last few days. I believe Binance, Bybit, and other centralized exchanges with large rune perp activity at, at negative funding rates should feel obligated to investigate the accounts behind the massive short 
as it will likely lead to unraveling a very well-funded hacking network responsible for many other hacks throughout crypto. So basically, according to the person who discovered this exploit, I would say not first, but responsibly discovered it first, mm-hmm. that uh, someone else discovered this first and then decided, okay, well, they're about to release a huge feature. We know an exploit. We're going to up, open up a massive short on the Thorchain token, Rune, and then we're going to exploit the network and make a lot of people lose money and then profit, mm-hmm. which is pretty shady. But I mean, it's, I guess it's fair, I mean, it's kind of fair game too. So, in my opinion, it is fair game. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that if you discover an exploit in a contract that can make you lots and lots of money, the problem isn't that you make the money. The problem is that the exploit existed. So, I mean, you know, we talk about like the Bitcoin Cash developers who you know, discovered the inflation bug in Bitcoin Core and reported it, right? But how much different would the world be today if they had it? Mm. Like, you know, would it be better? Would it be worse? It's difficult to say. Personally, I don't think that taking advantage of contract vulnerabilities is a... I don't know, bad thing or is a like a, you know, black hat kind of thing? Because otherwise, how will people ever learn their lesson? Yeah, I mean, things do like it really depends on how things are done. I think if you have insider knowledge, like I don't believe I don't believe in so like insider trading type stuff, right? Mm -hmm. If someone knows of this exploit, knows of something fatal in the network, um, I believe they should responsibly disclose it. But if they don't and decide to instead make it make a big profit off of shorting it and then hoping the network gets exploited, I think that's a little, I mean, it's fair game. What can you say? Mm-hmm. I think if you exploit the network to steal other people's money, uh, it should be exploited. But if you steal people's money, that is stealing people's money. And that that's unethical in that way to where like I mean, is it stealing people's money or was people's money in a faulty contract i mean both if there's a like if the rules clearly state this is the way it's supposed to be run and in this case by the way i don't think it was a faulty contract i think it was actually just a code exploit that would allow you to you could mm-hmm. exploit it to steal money it's not a contract where you find an exploit in the contract and then you're playing by the rules but the rules unf- like give you un like surprisingly give you money. So mm-hmm. it's that's where it gets a little weird. Um, I personally believe break everything responsibly mm-hmm. for the improvement of the technology. That's my personal mm-hmm. ethos in this thing mm-hmm. is I think you need to stress test everything. You need to find and push exploits everywhere to just harden the system, but do it in a way that minimizes human suffering. But yeah. Some people don't want to do that. And so in this case, what I wonder is, uh, I wonder what was planned for what we didn't find. Like the actual Mm -hmm. finding an exploit and opening up a short is one thing, but plans to exploit it. I don't know. Do you think there were plans to exploit it and steal from it or just to then publish 
anonymously disclose this bug and crash the whole, you know, the whole thing. I don't know. What, what I do don't know enough to speculate on, you know, what I think happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So either way, it's it's kind of an interesting thing to, to look at because um, a lot of these networks like ThorChain are doing a bunch of really interesting, innovative things. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are, I guess a lot of people are critical of projects like that because things do go wrong. And I don't think that's cause for criticism. I just think that that's like a, a innovator beware type thing. Not even like a buyer beware thing, but like a, you're using super cutting edge technology and there's no way to have it be perfect right away. Yeah. Now, if five, ten years down the road, there's chain pauses every, you know, month or so, a couple months or so. And they're still fine. Like at that, that point, you might be like, okay, maybe this isn't the right way of approaching the problem because clearly there's, it's prone to exploits and stuff, or you're not doing a good job. So, yeah. That's a bit crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, after that, so we had a chat. Um, I think it was what two weeks ago. I had um, it is right around the time when the SEC decided mm -hmm. to go after Richard Hart as Monk mm -hmm. and Hex and Pulse, and mm -hmm. as their their latest target. And then mm -hmm. I just got Cunningham on to talk about it because I know he has had a, like a long history of like writing about this kind of stuff. He's mm -hmm. kind of a little bit more on the investment side of crypto stuff than me, but he does. He also tends to be pretty kind of unflinching in technical reviews and. Mm -hmm. um, I forget which was it. Somi that social is like one of those early social things. He mm -hmm. got like tons of like threats and stuff over talking about that stuff. So yeah. I figured like, hey, let's jump into it and kind of chat about it. And then uh, I don't know if he's watching right now. Let me actually pick check the live chat. Um, one of our one of the subscribers, the channel, um, who goes by. XKCD, I think, is how he goes here. Um, wasn't was not pleased. He's like, "Oh, you just let him say anything. You got to have, you should have someone like Nicole on to talk about the other side of things." I'm like, "Sure." So yeah, so so I'm let like, me sure. like so. I was just watching that Scott Cunningham interview mm -hmm. right before you and I jumped on. I didn't finish watching it, but I watched a majority of it. You have it time stamped, so I mm -hmm. watched from the time span. So there's one point. He had written an article like why I sold all my hex at some mm -hmm. point. And you, you, during that interview mm -hmm. with him, you said something like, I read your article and I couldn't find anything technically wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But you know what's funny is that I used to do a live stream called Building Bridges, mm -hmm. where yeah. I was talking about like establishing relationships with people who were, you know, outside of the, you know, hex community. And yeah. by the way, like, just in case anybody, doesn't know like yes i hold hex yes i sacrificed for pulse chain and pulse x i'm by no means any kind of maximalist mm -hmm. i like you know i i hold all kinds of other coins i like other things it doesn't bother me if you don't like the things that i like yeah, because absolutely. like it's just money right mm -hmm. you know 
Um, but so one thing that I will say is there was one time when I had a I had it scheduled where Scott was going to come on to stream with me and mm -hmm. we were going to go over his paper. And Scott yeah. said, OK, well, before the stream, I want to know what your criticisms of my paper are. Mm -hmm. And so I took, you know, I put it in Google Docs, put you know, the edit function on and pointed out every flaw mm -hmm. in his paper. And Scott then canceled that interview because he knew that he had made several mistakes. Now, I would have to go back and look at that yeah. to tell did, you exactly. Did you ever have a, a follow up message like? No, he said he would gonna he was gonna go revisit those things and mm -hmm. then he would come back to me to discuss it, but he never did. Now that said, like I like Scott, I mm -hmm. don't have anything against him, but I'm just telling you there are flaws in that paper, technical flaws in mm -hmm. that paper that you may not have caught on to. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that, you know, Scott certainly wasn't aware of. Now, within that interview that you did, he said something about during the first year of Hex, mm -hmm. people sent their ETH to Richard Hart and then Richard sent them back a certain number of Hex. That's also completely false. Yeah. So why don't we start with just like an overview of kind of the launch part because it seems like the sure. the mechanics of how the hex contract works seem to be i wouldn't say i don't know if well established is the right way of saying it but it's it seems to be like that much i understand pretty well i think what mm -hmm. i what i did not dig deeply into personally was the launch situation and uh, like the whole sacrifice and all that kind of stuff i kind of like vaguely understand it but not in a super Kind of okay. deep way. So, so the sacrifice is a different thing, but if you want to get into like the launch mechanics of Hex, those mm -hmm. are two completely separate issues. So Hex launched as like it very similar to how EOS launched with mm -hmm. like a one year you could enter through the AA lobby. So mm -hmm. you could deposit Ethereum. You deposit okay. Ethereum on it like on any given day, there's a certain number of hex that's available, right? Mm -hmm. People would deposit Ethereum at, you know, before, I don't know, 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. or whatever the time was that day. I can't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, the number of hex, mm -hmm. like what that was available for that day was distributed relative to proportion that was put in. Okay. to the contract it was never sent to a person and then the person decided it was always determined yeah, so, via smart contract so if you deposit so basically during a 24-hour period a certain amount is distributed proportional to people's contribution who had contrib contributed during that past 24-hour period is that correct yes okay so it's kind of like a just like a a everyday distribution mechanism where you ever so like if i contributed a giant like literally all like half of ethereum supply let's just say i was a whale on right. one day the only i would get literally all the hex that day but only for that day i'd have to re do it every well, day or something not like necessarily that. because if uh, if someone else contributed some Say you contribute. Say you contributed ninety percent mm -hmm. of the Ethereum that went into the AA lobby that day, mm -hmm. and someone else contributed one percent and five percent, and you know, on and on. You would get ninety percent of yeah. the, but then everybody else would get the percent that they contributed. 
Yeah. So if I if I contributed like twenty bucks in ETH, but everyone else contributed like pennies, I would yeah. still get all that stuff. So it's kind of like yeah. a, a mechanic made to make you first of all have constant contributions over the time period, the whole time period. You know, mm -hmm. every day make sure you keep people going in, but also to have people sort of like almost auction style bid for like bid it up to see how much they would totally contribute to the whole thing. Right. And you could, and you could like get a lot more hex than mm -hmm. you would have. Cause at the same time, right? Like initially it's not available for sale on Uniswap because this mm -hmm. is the only distribution method. But after the first few days, I don't know if it was after one day or after 10 days, yeah. I can't actually remember the number of days, but after a certain period of time, the token is also available for sale on Uniswap. So if you want to guarantee that you get a certain number of hex for a yeah. certain amount of Ethereum, you can do that or, or USDC or Bitcoin or whatever it is. You can do that on Uniswap. However, sometimes you're getting a better deal by participating in the AA lobby. Yeah. So you put it into the lobby. So mm -hmm. you're sending to an address, right? Mm -hmm. Now, have we figured out who's behind that address? So or, the or origin address, the, like, so Scott and mm -hmm. you, when you were talking about it, I noticed automatically assume that Richard Hart is the owner and controller of the origin okay. address. And a lot of people do believe that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know whether he is or is not. And I'm not going to speculate on it. Okay. Because I don't know, because it's not fair for me to say he is or he's not yeah. when I have no evidence to suggest that he is or is it's not. It's kind of right? like the Satoshi's hoard thing. It's like exactly. the first miner, everyone, it seems to be one, it's one entity, but no one knows exactly who that one entity is. Exactly, exactly, okay. right? And yeah, and for so, all we know, there's like a multi-sig on that and there's multiple, yeah, you know. So, and like... Let's just say, also like Richard Hart is, it's like, it's a pseudonym anyway. So what right. one could say is it's just like Satoshi might be a few people, mm. but might be one, you know, might be Craig mm. Ray, <laughs> who knows? Mm. But like, let's just say the, the Hart, let's just say Hart mm. owns that address. It could be him. Well, the OA owns be, that address, really yes. specifically the OA, the origin address. Yeah. Yes. And so what else is, so the origin address was it's basically whoever's issuing the hex i guess has it right so when you put money into that you you give money to that entity and mm -hmm. then you get or give eth let's say this specify the kind of money right you give eth mm -hmm. to that and then mm -hmm. you get hex out on a in a semi-proportional basis the way we already covered how the mechanics work correct and yeah so and, and that's a smart contract that distributes it it's not mm -hmm. a person or an entity it's yes. a smart contract there's no human involvement in deciding this goes here yeah so it's like a vending machine where which or maybe a slot machine depends on what you but whatever it's a machine that you put money in someone someone owns the box that the money goes into but it's not like there's not a person behind the machine manually distributing it it just the machine kicks the money out correct yes yeah so uh that's how the distribution worked is that the entire initial distribution is that how the whole, the whole thing worked so 
there's there's other mechanisms um i would actually really suggest if you're like because we could spend a really long time going into this but there's actually a really excellent um excellent paper written by a developer named kyle it's called the layman's guide to to the hex smart contract mm -hmm. yeah um and it's it, he's a developer, the person who wrote it. Um, I would suggest reading the like opening portion of that. So there's also bonuses for referring, right? Mm -hmm. So like, let's say that I am like, hey, I love this. I bought a bunch of this, and I think that you know it's going to increase in value. And someone's like, hey, where can I get it? And they're like, oh, you can get it. Um, you can you can get link. it here. Like you can get it here. And mm -hmm. if you enter this code, then I'll also get some, but mine doesn't come from you. It comes from the origin address. Yeah. So it's just a referral code. And you know what? I know people are like, oh, multi-level marketing, multi-level marketing. But for one thing, it's single layer, right? There's no multi-layer. And for another thing, referral codes are huge in yeah, cryptocurrency. Yeah, I use them. Yeah. So, but to think about referral, so is the referral code part of the, the contract or is there like, how does that fit? Cause this is an, a very complicated system. And as you said, mm -hmm. like it's like a machine, right? Like a vending yeah. machine kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out what is, so is the referral part programmed into the smart contract? The referral code is programmed into the smart contract. And if no referral code is entered, then nobody gets the bonus. Okay. So, um, just for for purposes, because this is something I've actually been, you know, the the anti civil mechanism stuff is actually something I'm very interested in in crypto in general. How mm -hmm. do they determine, I guess, personhood as far as like a referral? Like, is in if I can I sign myself up ten times and keep yes, you can. You can use your own referral code. Yes, you can. Interesting. So literally, mm -hmm. it, someone would be an absolute idiot to not use a referral code, right? Sure, yeah, and people did absolutely use their own referral code. I believe that the referral, if you use your own code, was like assuming that you use the same address, that the bonus was less, but mm. I would have to look back to see because gosh, like I said, it's been so long. Okay, Yeah. additionally, initial distribution goes like this. If you hold Bitcoin in a self-custodial wallet on the day that Hex is created, you're entitled to claim, to free claim, a certain portion of Hex relative to your Bitcoin holdings. Oh yeah, you claim it on day one, you get the maximum. You I claim think, it on um, day. Byteball did a similar mechanism. Yeah. I remember some people claiming, you know, whatever, and it, you mm -hmm. one could say. Um, Bitcoin Cash and SV and all that. <laughs> that's a little that's a little dicier of a of a thing because it wasn't like an airdrop to Bitcoin holders. It was literally yeah. just a chain split. But yes, right. So if you claim on day one, you get the maximum amount, and and that amount mm -hmm. goes down each day throughout the 365 days of the AA lobby. Now at the end of that time period, any unclaimed Bitcoin mm -hmm. gets distributed to the people who have staked their hex relative to the number of T shares or trillion shares that they hold. So the law, so if you've got like 
The maximum length of a stake is 5,555 days. It's like 15.2 years. That means you've got the maximum number of, you know, T shares. You get the biggest payout. If you've got a short stake that ends like right after the big payday, you get less of the of the distribution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So now the me and now, now there, there's one more portion, and this portion has not changed from hex so people could stake their hex or leave it liquid right so a lot of people make the mistake of believing that you have to lock up your hex for a certain duration you and just that's get just more rewards if you do right right and that's just not the case you could hold your hex liquid i believe if you free claimed from bitcoin you were like max you were forced to stake at least until the end of the big payday mm -hmm. but um but anything that you purchased was up to you whether you staked it or held liquid or you know you could stake it anywhere from one day to 5555 days that's completely up to you mm -hmm. so that's a misunderstanding in what people think like people how people believe that the smart contract operates yeah it's up to you if you bought it it's yours it's it's yours to do what you want with okay so so it seems like also well, really quick so it seems like from the initial distribution people who had bitcoin got hex who claimed it specifically and so yes. they didn't ha they didn't have to do anything other than a few things to just claim it they didn't have to give up any capital for that now nope. and referral things you could get referral bonuses without putting your own capital at risk right correct and so it's just the actual um the a lobby i guess mechanism where you actually put in money in order to get hex put in an extra yep. exogenous capital right you put in external stuff to get to get hacks. Yeah, and absolutely you could refer without having put in any of your own money. There were quite a lot of people who did. Mhm. Mm yeah, and so well, as far as like uh the referral thing, the referral does rely on someone else putting money on, but the bitcoin part does not. That's just kind of a a giveaway. So yes. you could say that there was a giveaway and then there was an investment part or, you know, whatever, a buying in part. And yeah, there was a giveaway, there was a referral, and there was a personal purchase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the referral thing could be considered, I guess, compensating people for marketing services, kind of, right? Yes, but it wasn't a person compensating um, people yeah, for marketing services. It was part. It was it was within the smart contract, and you weren't like paid to create deliverables or paid to promote. It was simply like if you want to share mm -hmm. it. Just I mean, like just like you know, Coinbase having a referral program, right? Yeah, yeah. You get paid by the company to yeah. promote the company. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no specific ask. It's not like it's not an employment contract. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's how the everything was distributed. Ahead. Yes. So then there's this there's this remaining component that continues within the hex smart contract. So people stake. Right. And they may stake for, you know, any duration of time. Like I said, you can choose one day. You can choose five thousand five hundred fifty five days. You can choose any time period in between. OK. So if you stake and you serve 50% of your stake, like let's say that I make mm -hmm. a stake for two years mm -hmm. and after one year, 
I'm like, you know what? I really want my money back. I don't mm -hmm. want to have this stake anymore. Then I'm going to get back 100% of my principal, but I'm yeah. going to lose my interest. And then, and then that interest, instead of just like mm -hmm. disappearing into thin air, that yeah. interest gets distributed 50% to stakers relative to the number of shares that they hold mm -hmm. and 50% goes to the origin address. Okay. So, I mean, it seems like the, the origin address is clearly a creator of some kind who then kind of takes a chunk of everything that goes through it. Um, it, this is the hex contract open source. Like, is it's it has to be right because it's on. So, so it is. Um, like, what's the right word? It's not open source in that it can't be forked. Like, it's copyright protected. But it is. Mm. It is open source in that you can view the contract. So, by copyright protected, uh, it, that must mean there's a legal entity that has issued that right that has claimed the copyright saying this is our property if you copy this we the legal entity will sue you the other person or legal entity right yes so which entity is this that owns hex i guess you know that's a great question i don't know the answer to that one but there there it, it is protected in that like it is not strictly speaking open source however the code is viewable hmm Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, really quick. But okay. Um, but yeah, so it's viewable. So technically, someone could copy paste the code and run a version of Hex that is exactly the same, except does not have an origin address. Or and and, and that has actually been tried multiple times. Mm -hmm. There have been, I can off the top of my head think of two entities and i know that there has been a third um and each time has has failed spectacularly yeah and so it's just the people tried and just because they couldn't convince as many people to that it was a good idea they just no i don't think it's because they couldn't convince as many people oh, you mean the, it that technically it failed idea. is what I, you're saying yeah it technically failed. oh okay yeah mm-hmm interesting because both times the um both times that i can think of in fact all three times that i can think of i can only think of two of the names but in all of the instances that i can think of it was very popular people loved the idea because one mm -hmm. of the biggest criticisms of hex has always been the origin address interesting and so basically it, it there must have been quite the uh, talented developer behind this thing to make it kind of work that well and then someone copy and paste and couldn't i guess you'd need to have another talented development team to kind of do the hex classic or whatever you call well, it well and I, I mean i think that a lot of the consensus and i'm not a developer so i can't mm -hmm. you know i can't speak to this i think that a lot of the consensus is that the origin address itself is a necessary entity for making the contract work because the origin mm -hmm. address by the way has never sold hex but it has provided liquidity. Mm -hmm. It creates the asset that liquidity is bonded to. And since it holds the vast majority of the tokens supply, it controls how much or how little liquidity is available on the market mm -hmm. for the most part. Of course, other people can add and remove liquidity, you know, but because the origin address holds such a huge percentage of it, it controls the liquidity bond and most of the ratios. 
Yeah, you mean the, the how much liquidity there is in the ETH hex pair on stuff like Uniswap, ETH hex right? pair, ETH USDC pair, etc. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. And so, um, so then money has been moved around from the origin address. The origin address has provided and removed liquidity. Yes, and then the origin address also sacrificed. Now we're like jumping ahead, so I want to like mm. I want to not jump ahead too yeah, far here. Course. The origin address did also sacrifice a lot of the um, a lot of the funds that it collected for Pulse mm -hmm. for for the Pulse chain sacrifice. But okay, so let's go back really quick to mm -hmm. how so and then also the origin address did distribute a lot of the funds that it has held that it you know that it has collected and by funds to, we're talking about eth here right uh yeah eth ethan okay. hex ethan hex two different wallets and there's a person in the community who created uh he's like a, a tax accountant mm -hmm. and who created like a full audit of everything that has that the or every action that the origin address yeah. has ever taken and where all of those funds are now his name is gunther he's mm -hmm. a real controversial person in the community now because he's like i don't know supported numerous tokens that have um you know fallen completely flat and Mm -hmm. is sometimes a bit of an a-hole um i rather like him but you know i like yeah. i like villains so so yeah so, and so we're so talking about the the origin address so it got it received eth for the first during the initial distribution phase and mm -hmm. then afterwards when you have stakes that get prematurely ended or whatever it is and half goes to whatever half goes the origin origin address that's hex now so yes. the, the ETH was the first part, and there just hasn't really been more ETH put in there. But then Correct. Hex is all the other stuff. So now as Correct. far as stuff that's been moved around, so obviously there's like liquidity and other things like that. And distribution, has this just been Hex or has this been ETH as well? Or has there been both as far as stuff that's been moved around other than just provide liquidity? Okay, so the origin address has used Ethereum that mm -hmm. came in through the AA adoption amplifier to purchase hex mm -hmm. as far as i know that's not illegal you're allowed to buy your own assets yeah so right i mean i guess so i'm not a i'm not a lawyer that's how we have me right like thing, okay like, let's say let's say okay satoshi created mm -hmm. bitcoin and um you know he's got a lot or he she they They've got a lot, mm -hmm. right? Whatever. But a couple years go by and they're like, hey, this is an even better idea than I thought it was. I'm going to buy more Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. There's nothing There's nothing inherently wrong with that action. Yeah. And so I'm trying to think if there's any other like questions on like just the mechanics of things. So okay. So, yeah. so here, let me, let me do. Yeah. So let me do this. So I would definitely recommend... Mm -hmm to understand the full mechanics of like tracing the origin address, talking mm -hmm. to Gunther, I'm happy to put you in touch with him. Mm -hmm. There's also someone else who I would recommend that you talk to at the same time. I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Highest of Stakes, which no. was the newest. Okay, um, gosh, really should see it. Um, so I was gonna send you tickets. It was playing near you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and so the, it seems like, so I'm, I'm trying to like piece together 
mm-hmm. what to sort of object- objectively call this thing. So it's a smart contract, but it's basically like there's a lot of anal- analogies to businesses in the decentralized space. And I get that there's there's something else because they're automated, you know, there's and businesses aren't automated. They're run by people. But mm-hmm. let's just say it's clear a person or entity created Hex and is kind of running it, you know, and it runs itself now. It runs itself. Yeah, but some person created it, and based on Hex running, then if it runs according to, I guess, plan, then funds go to the the founder, which is kind of like... The founder, you're assuming that the origin address is the founder. Yeah, I mean... So funds go to the origin address is what you mean. Yeah, it's either the founder or someone, de- a party designated by the founders. Or, or an AI. Yes, which is, or an AI designated by the founders, but it's a founder mm-hmm. designated address. Or, mm-hmm. And so that would, that's kind of reminds me of, I guess, like the Zcash uh, founders reward, where mm-hmm. when Zcash was created, the people who, the initial investors who put money into Zcash's development then I mean, there's a lot more nuance to this, and I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on this because the people, no, that's not actually true. Okay, I don't want to spread misinformation. But basically, the founders' reward, twenty percent of the block reward, went to primarily people who founded Zcash, and then that turned into the dev fund, which then became purely for running Zcash. But in the in the beginning, it was a little bit of like some of the money that got created went to the people that created this thing. Even though it was a decentralized, permissionless network, some of it went to the people who started the thing or the people designated sure. by the people who started the sure. thing. Sure, but the, split the, hairs. The, the, um, the like difference here, and this could change at some point in the future, is that none of the money that has gone to the origin address, none of the funds, none of mm-hmm. the ETH or the HEX has ever been spent. Mm-hmm. Not yet. It's, not yet. So there's a couple, and when was the last? I'm not sure if like, you know, how common this knowledge is, but when was the last time anyone used funds from the origin address? Meaning, any action that would prove that they still have control, there is still an entity in control of those private keys. It's been relatively recent because of the moving of liquidity. Okay. Yeah, so, so they definitely do still have access to those private keys. Yeah. And so it is po- very possible that every single, and I mean, we're, I'm not saying probable, by the way. I'm just saying possible, mm-hmm. technically mm-hmm. possible, that mm-hmm. during this stream, the entirety of that, of the funds in the origin address could be, you know, removed from the address, could be sent and sold on the open market or whatever else. Technically, this is feasible, although... Could happen it, because it has to be. It's an entity that is connected to Hex in some way, or at least it, whether they did it themselves or Hex connected them, you know, against their will or whatever. It's mm-hmm. still it's by its actions is clearly invested in the Hex ecosystem and would stand to, I guess, lose a lot to just crash the whole thing and just just be done with it, right? Sure, so, it's possible, it's and clear. that's a huge criticism. That's even a criticism of mine. Mm-hmm. A lot of people came after me like, hey, you understand this smart contract. You understand this better than most people, and this is years ago, right? So, like, um, 
why aren't you 100% in? I said, well, because at any time, the origin address could take actions that drove the drive this to zero. They say, well, the, the origin address has never done anything that didn't benefit stakers. And I said, mm -hmm. yes, yet. But yeah. that doesn't mean, you know, forever. And yeah, I definitely don't disagree with you there. However, that said, like with the SEC's charges looming, mm -hmm. I I can't foresee that happening mm -hmm. um, because that would really give credence to their claim, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. as 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 of right now, um, uh, the founder's address, the found, I mean, the uh, origin address, mm -hmm. part of this whole equation could be you, you. One could say that that has only served to as, for maintenance of the protocol. That mm -hmm. so far, any money that's gone out has gone back in or has provided mm -hmm. liquidity or things like that. And so as far as um, now, has there been any ETH that's gone out, got bought into hacks, gone back in, and then got sold for exogenous ETH somewhere else? Like, has there been any... And this is, by the way, I'm just... I have not done any forensics or read anything. Oh, I'm just taking a word for this as far as you know, right? But as far mm -hmm. as there's been, there's ETH has left and come back, but a lot of it has gone in as kind of a circular pattern, right? It's gone to provide mm -hmm. liquidity. It's gone to, to buy hex maybe, stake mm -hmm. it. But then after that hex has then been sold or whatever, has the ETH gone right back into the addressers? But there been any evidence of actual capital associated with the origin address leaving the entire ecosystem completely no there's not no. been any evidence that so far no okay. and and so and here's who this is why i would love for you to talk to either gunther or in the highest of stakes movie there are mm -hmm. two fraud investigators there's there's two people who are you know come from outside of you know hex one is a fraud investigator a traditional fraud investigator mm -hmm. um and then the other one, his name is Lamont Black. He is a Lamont Black. Is that it? He is a crypto professor, mm -hmm. and he um, he actually created a board game, a hex board game, to teach his students how hex works. Now he remains a skeptic, but he has a depth of understanding of what has gone on with the origin addresses funds. I would, I would love to see you talk to mm -hmm. really him and Gunther. Um, and if that's something that you wanted, I could make that happen. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like the way the system kind of works. So I'm kind of thinking because like, for example, use something like Thorchain, say it's a, it's analogous to a an exchange business, right? Where mm -hmm. if anyone can provide liquidity and earn part of trading fees that the business makes. So mm -hmm. people, it, it provides a service, people use it, fees are generated that go to the protocol that goes to liquidity providers and node operators who anyone can do that, again, assuming the capital, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so, and for example, there's a, a fork of Thorchain called the Maya Protocol that works very similar, except mm -hmm. there's I'm a little bit more familiar with that tokenomics because I kind of looked into it more. There's a specific Maya token, which, for example, if a developer has that or something like that, it gets a small percentage of 
the fees that work. But either way, it's it's a system. It's basically a decentralized, systematized business. We could kind of so call that. The, the difference here would be that what I think you're explaining via ThorChain and Amaya mm -hmm. is that that relies on people trading and so there being trading fees to split where the Hexmart contract does not rely on anything happening except for the locked annual inflation of 3.69%. So every year Hex's supply increases by 3.69%. That um, that inflation is just that's hard coded into the smart contract. It cannot be changed. Um, that inflation is then distributed to mm -hmm. stakers relative to their T-shares. So the actual inflation earned is higher than 3.69% in HEX terms because not 100% of HEX is staked. Yeah, so um, there's a, a comment in the live chat of one correction. The ETH from the AA feature or the transform lobby goes to a flush address and not the origin. There's a separate one for it. Okay. Okay. And two, the first activity on the chain involving the origin address is the hex deployer sending gas to the origin address. And so, yeah, just some extra little stuff on that. But okay, appreciate those. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, when when we're trying to, this has been something that I've been I've been coming to a lot. It's it's taken me like ten years in the crypto space to mm -hmm. start to try to like hone in on the value proposition of crypto. I know I've always known very conceptually, very strongly on the conceptual basis, but more on the very specific kind of thing. And also like, how does it work? How does it work out? I should say, mm -hmm. not as how, not how does it function, but how does it actually work out in a flourish long term? And in mm -hmm. this thing, uh, like the biggest, most frustrating thing for people who are super like adoption focused and all that kind of stuff has always been the market price and what tokens go up and what tokens go down and i th i've noticed other than basically bitcoin and ethereum almost every project especially what i would consider personally to be good projects like the best projects tend to have this thing where they go through a hype cycle and then just like a long slide to oblivion kind of mm -hmm. in terms of market price mm -hmm. and obviously that's a, a speculative thing but so it's, sure. it's maybe kind of try to think about start thinking of things in much more of like a business type term of mm -hmm. literally and re-examine like what is value and why should it go up or why should it go down or things like that right mm -hmm. and from like the purely utilitarian perspective it's it, i guess it's just like a business of what value does it provide to people and people pay for that value and okay. so this is something where, um, like, for example, this is something I've actually gotten into a lot with the nano folks because the nano folks have stripped all pay explicit paying from the protocol. And so uh -huh. it's all free. It's not free. And when you actually talk to people who understand it, especially people in the nano community who understand it, it isn't free. It's feeless. There's a little bit of a difference that you have to still contribute work and things like that that money it tends to be a like actual fees and money are a proxy for, but it's still like it, you, the only way it has value is if you give it value. And the only mm -hmm. reason you would give it value is whether real or not, but as long as you perceive it enough, it is real, I guess it provides value back to you. 
So I buy an axe because I want to chop wood to heat my house in the winter because I value that. I I give value to whoever gives me the axe and they give me the tool that does the thing I want. So in all that, what is Hex's business model in that case? Sure. Yeah. So did you know, okay, so banking, right? Cryptocurrency mm-hmm. was... Bitcoin cryptocurrency was created to like replace our traditional banking system. Mm-hmm. The first, the, the biggest product, uh, you know, the first product of our banking system would be uh, checking and savings accounts, mm-hmm. right? What's the second? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not super familiar with how the history of banking evolved. It's, but... it's certificates of deposits or time deposits. Yeah. And what does that do? So a uh, certificate of deposit would be like, I, my, my, my aunts and uncles used to give these to me when I was a kid for birthdays and mm-hmm. Christmases and things. They would buy, you know, a $25 bond or CD. And then in 15 years, I could cash that out for $50. Mm-hmm. So it appreciate over time. It appreciates over time and it appreciates over time because of inflation. So the difference would be though, that let's say that I wanna cash, let's say that they give this to me, they give me this bond when I'm um, 10 and it matures when I turn 20. But when I turn 15, I'm like, I need money to buy a car. Mm -hmm. So I can cash it out for half of what it's allegedly worth. I can cash it out for just $25 instead of $50. But what happens to the remaining $25 that it's worth? Where does that go? Does that go to other CD holders? No, it all goes back to the bank. So certificate of deposit is one way of looking at hacks. Another way of looking at it would be like virtual lending and borrowing. And that's what I think is the smartest way of using that smart contract. So like, let's say I buy a million hex i'm using this number because it's a flat easy number to function mm-hmm. with right okay i buy a million hex at a penny a piece i'm really bad at math how much does that cost like a hundred bucks something like that um yeah okay well just we should just make the, the math easier <laughs> and okay. rather like a million hundred let's see buy a hundred hex i can deal with those numbers okay so i buy a, i buy a hundred hex at one penny a piece, mm-hmm. and so that's a dollar. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did that math correct. Yeah, 100, 100 pennies okay. is a dollar, yes. 100 pennies is a dollar, okay. So I buy 100 hex, so I want to, I want to save some of that money for 15 mm-hmm. years from now. So I stake 50 of my hex for 5,555 days, and I'm not gonna touch it until then unless I'm willing to pay penalties, mm-hmm. okay? Then the price of hex appreciates. It appreciates and let's just theoretically say it goes to a dollar, right? Mm -hmm. It never went that high, but like just for the sake of easy math here, we're gonna say it goes to a dollar. So my 50 cents and my 50 hex is now worth $50. And the hex that I have staked for 5,555 days is also worth $50 except for that it's also accumulated more because it's staked, but I can't touch any of that. So let's say future, so present me is like, 
I want to borrow money from future me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and cash out this liquid hex that I'm holding. And instead of borrowing money from the bank or borrowing money from a friend or taking Mm -hmm. out a cash advance on a credit card, I'm borrowing money from myself. Okay. So with the CD model, just just purely going on the CD thing. So mm-hmm. let's say I buy $25 worth and then 10 years later it matures, goes to 50. Let's just give that very simple thing. So mm-hmm. the bank is the business that offers this to me. And in this case, if 100% of the customers, let's just say they have 10 customers, it's a teeny tiny bank, 10 customers that buy these, all 10 of them will wait until maturity. They don't withdraw early. Does mm-hmm. the bank make money in this situation? Because I'm, I'm like, let's just, you know, play a little. I mean, I'm not sure if it's like play ignorant or actually be ignorant, but like on the actual bank CD model. Like, mm-hmm. does if everyone plays by the rules, then can the, mm-hmm. does the bank make money and then can continue offering this service with a 100% maturity rate? Or does the business model rely on some people, you know, I guess getting cold feet early and just taking it out early? So the business model doesn't necessarily rely on people early end staking, but it does rely on not 100% of the tokens being staked. Mm. And that's one advantage of the origin address because a vast majority of the origin address's holdings are not staked. Before we go to... Hex specifically, just in terms of CDs and banks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I assume that the bank, the bank's primary, uh, I guess, way of making money is you you give the capital to them, mm-hmm. and they pay you it back, you know, with interest and stuff later. What I assume that they're doing is that they're then uh, what banks tend to do, right? They're lending that out to other people. They're charging interest on those loans. Right, and but actually, they're not lending it out to other people. So, so when CDs you deposit do not money, get lended out then. No, so when people like deposit their money in the bank, mm-hmm. this is like a misnomer. They're not actually lending that money out. They're using that money to qualify for grants from the government, and then using that money. Yeah, well, that's kind of messed up. But <laughs> I mean, from a in a I guess an original model of mm-hmm. the way banks supposed to work the way they make money by but who cares how the banks are supposed to work if it's not how they do work yeah well i guess just the the way the business model works is like there's opportunity cost of capital you if you could do things like start a business with that capital but you don't you give it to the bank instead and they profit off of holding on to that capital during that time and they pay you back what i what i had assumed to be not all of the money they made off of your money during that time. All the money minus their profit bit, right? Plus, I mean, plus look at this. Like you buy a you buy a bond, you buy a fifty dollar bond for twenty five dollars in ten years. In ten years is fifty dollars worth the same amount that twenty five dollars was worth ten years before? Maybe. (laughs) I mean usually not. I mean Yeah, it depends on what inflation Right. What inflation actually does, which is, of course, that's an extra monkey wrench because the, the bank doesn't control inflation. There's a central bank that controls inflation, mm-hmm. and that kind of goes on. So, uh, the actual 
money that's put into hex by people now we're Mm -hmm. actually going back to hex um the actual money that's put in there it doesn't necessarily get like lended out or anything like that it just stays in there so what is actually gets burned so when you stake your hex your hex is burned and you get t shares or b shares or m shares instead Mm. yeah and so um what is the biz- I guess the business model of the protocol? You you give them capital, and they, for all intents and purposes, you know you burn it, but you get a certificate of it. But they hold on to the capital, roughly speaking, during that time. And how does the the protocol benefit from your capital? Like, what's the what's the business model there? I believe that it just shows the strength and the belief in the smart contract, which incentivizes mm. more people to have, you know, faith in the in the smart contract and in the model. I know that there is there are some elements here that like um, I know that have not been discussed and can't mm. be discussed. Uh, like not like there's some, some things where some forbidden like, functionality there. <laughs> no, 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 not forbidden functionality, but you should know, you should know this. And I can't explain this in great detail because I don't know enough about it to speak confidently, but there mm. are applications built on top of hex that allow people to tokenize their stakes and then sell them as nfts so like you know let's say that i had a 15 year stake and i wanted and 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 some emergency came up right like my mom's very sick and i need to Mm -hmm. spend a bunch of money and i have no way to access that funds and if i early end stake it because we're not even halfway there, I lose principal and all the interest. There is a way for you to tokenize that stake and then sell it to a third to, mm-hmm. to a third party buyer. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a lot of like that DeFi stuff where you, you know, remember in the DeFi boom, you'd like take a loan out and then leverage that and then leverage that like a few different ways. It's just just mm-hmm. some stuff anyone can kind of do on top of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We. Um, let me just type something up real quick because we did. I did have a, a live chat question that I'm kind of like, it's like on the agenda of things and might be a good thing to put in there. Um, ignoring. I, uh, yeah, one one time I had some questions. One time's a good dude. I'm pretty sure he's also a, a hex holder, and so okay. he had a, a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm it. Happy to I'm gonna put it off for people. for just a little because okay. this is like part of this big question. So mm-hmm. if I stake hex for a long period of time or Mm -hmm. a period of time let's just say and at the end of that and the only reason i would do that is with some sort of expectation of doing of having more at the end right and Mm -hmm. so i have more at the end uh Mm -hmm. where does that exactly come from and i know you've I know you, so you have you have more hex at yes. the end. Yes. You have the only the only guarantee that you will have at the end of your at the end of your stake is that you will have more hex. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that that hex will be worth more fiat, okay. bitcoin, whatever. Where does the hex come from? That hex comes from the locked 3.69% annual inflation that's paid to stakers and early end stake penalties that you may have been rewarded. Yeah, and so basically you're paid through inflation 
Mm-hmm. Or people, I would say, causing premature inflation or whatever by, by ending their stake, they pay a penalty. And then that goes partially to everyone and partially to the um, the origin, origin address. Mm-hmm. But either way, it's it's just creates more it creates more than the schedule otherwise would have had right correct and so that's and then also that not a hundred percent of the stake that's of the hex that's in circulation is staked so you're earning more than the 3.69 you know yeah and so um this is something that's been because i I really like this whole tokenomic discussion thing because Mm -hmm. honestly no one knows what the best system is like for example nano again hit on nano has no inflation it just never has mm-hmm. um Thorchain does but for a certain period of time but it's it's fork the my protocol has none is fee only nano mm-hmm. has no fees and just it's and then you have like obviously bitcoin has trailing off to zero inflation it's mm-hmm. expected to go down and fees go up monero has mostly that but it hit a tail emission where it has permanent inflation forever Mm -hmm. but very Mm -hmm. little to where it just doesn't really matter too much Mm -hmm. economically on the whole and then you have things like ethereum that have the after eip 1559 or whatever it was um have uh burning mechanisms now Mm -hmm. where if it gets a lot very it's infinite inflation but if you get it used a lot it could actually lose its supply over time and become more scarce the ultrasound Mm -hmm. money meme and all that stuff and so uh, it's funny to hear like different you know it, the thing with these things it's always like who pays for what and in a purely fee based model um holders pay nothing essentially again protocol we're there's a lot of semantics right but protocols you know they pay nothing users fee payers pay everything that's kind of how that works mm-hmm. in the monero model is mostly that way except um, holders pay a little bit. That's what inflation Mm -hmm. is. Holders pay a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about um, like a burn mechanism, then obviously fee payers pay everything, but it's not just average holders receive the benefit of that. If it because if there's a burn mechanism, so that's Mm -hmm. where it's different. Like a miner of Monero, for example, gets paid to run the network and through fees. And it, it gets in inflation. So they get paid by holders for, I guess, secure of, security of parking your money, but also get paid by people who actually send it around. In Ethereum, you know, nodes get paid. People who use Ethereum get paid. But people who just don't do anything with Ethereum at all, uh, theoretically, either pay or actually get paid and it just these interesting kind of dynamics are kind of like of like who pays for what kind of make it are very interesting so when you're talking about hexes inflation right if you receive so an inflation based model means holders of the token pay now if you hold and stake or something mm-hmm. or whatever the the analogous thing in whatever other system might be you get paid and if the stake is more than if the staking rewards are more than what you pay in inflation then you're actually making money you're being right paid. so the person the people in hex who get diluted over time are liquid holders 
worse. Mm-hmm. It's so liquid holders. Otherwise, if you're staked, you're keeping up with inflation. Yeah. If you're and so the the concept behind the origin address being largely unstaked mm -hmm. is that the origin address is total holding is by far being the most diluted over time. Yes. So it is being the most diluted over time. Now the so basically look just before we go into like the the model of the user, before I go into the model of the um of the actual business as it were the you know the the protocol mm -hmm. um the user you pay meaning you don't you don't you give value if you hold the token but don't stake it mm -hmm. and if you do stake it you get that value essentially the mm -hmm. The value from that stuff however so, you lose the opportunity to take up to take advantage of you know upward price swings if you're locked hmm uh, so you mean by selling for example right so like so let's so realizing so was, those gains okay. yeah so there was this huge trend early in hex i was always opposed to this if you're not a hundred percent staked you're not a real hexagon and i was like that is ridiculous right because if you're a hundred percent staked and hex well, goes from money. a penny to 50 cents what are you gonna do nothing there's nothing that you can do but if yeah. you're you know partly you know liquid and partly staked that is the ability to really take advantage of the smart contracts full potential because mm -hmm. now you have the opportunity to sell your liquid bags you know mm -hmm. and continue to earn yeah it's so it's kind of it, it's kind of an interesting setup slash game here because uh if you have um if you're staking you're basically saying i think that the price of hex is probably going to do okay and mm -hmm. or at least you know at, at least not drop too much and then over time over i time get make up for whatever it yeah. does drop over yeah. time mm -hmm. i have more hex you're kind of like long hex let's just say mm -hmm. it's like you're opening a long and mm -hmm. if you just buy the token if you don't care about the price of hex going up or down at all you just don't touch it at all probably mm -hmm. but if you mm -hmm. buy the token now you're like okay i'm short or mid -term, let's say mid i'm mid hex mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. where my value is being i'm paying via dilution mm -hmm. but i'm betting that the price might go up at some point and then i can sell it yep. and then i make money Yep. And so it's basically um, two, it's basically a mechanism by which two different types of parties or a person who can, there's two different speculative functions there. Someone betting on the price doing okay in like doing okay in the short term, but not in the long term. Or, you know, and they, they could, they could really think that the price of hex is going to keep going up, but they could just be like, I really want a house in five years or a couple years, mm -hmm. so I'm going to hold on to it. I think it's going up, but I don't want it to, you know, although if you have a specific time frame, you would just stake it for that period of time. But if you just say, I want to have it ready in case I can buy a house at any time. Then, well, and you can also do yeah. staking ladders, you know, yeah. like you can stake. Yeah, you can also ladder your stakes. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's, and so those people are, and so it's basically of those there's the other element I'm going to talk about in a second, but otherwise it's those two 
parties kind of betting on who's or those two approaches betting on which one's going to be the more profitable one kind of again almost right. and against there's each no other reason and and from my perspective and from i know a lot of people's perspective there's no reason why you can't belong to both of these parties right yeah, you can like hedge why your, you can't hedge your risks although, right why you can't go although if you 50 50 hedge kind of it's it doesn't really make sense because then you're you know, it, it makes more sense to just slightly hedge then if you yep. rather than like 50 50, because then it just kind of cancels each other out. It's yep. kind of like having opening a long and a short for the same amount. It's just like, all right, you want to just why are we doing this? Yep. Right. See, <laughs> so this is why this board game that Lamont created, mm -hmm. why I think you would like enjoy this so yeah. much. And it, it's unfortunately deleted from the movie. It is in the deleted scenes. I can ask and see if it's possible to share this with you. Um, but it, it, it really teaches some amazing lessons about the different things yeah. that can happen. And so those two people kind of play off of each other and one or another could um, do better than the other. It's just, so one yep. could say the value I would say, and this should come in no shock for crypto. Because crypto is at this point, as an investment, I should say, crypto is highly speculative and you could win, you could lose. And so the specific value proposition of Hex here is the ability for, I guess, advanced speculation is an advanced functionality to that speculation where yeah. it's not like, well, is the Ethereum Foundation going to do this thing? Is the um, you know, right. Cosmos going to get their shit together in this way? Instead of all that, you're just like, look, it's going to do this. This is a game I can figure out. I can figure out, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to either, you know, the price is going to pump and then I can sell. Or I'm going to bet on this other side. It's like hands, like in a card game almost. You play this hand here, you play this hand here, and you could lose money. Mm -hmm. But that happens in crypto. You could make mm -hmm. money. And that also mm -hmm. happens in crypto. And so it's it's kind of like a, it's sort of like a game of... Yeah, it, it just it reminds me a lot because uh, one of my, my friends, actually a neighbor, um, decided to, he's kind of like independently successful, I guess, but he decided to get a job at a, a local like beachside casino uh, as like a car dealer because, you know, he needed something to do during the day, but also because he loves the people watching, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But so he's been explaining all these games because I, I knew like nothing about like the whole like casino or gambling world or whatever, or like how the, uh -huh. how the, the games are, or meter and stuff. And it's been very fascinating. I find a lot of parallels in that, like you get someone who comes in and says like, I'm going to play blackjack. I'm going to go here. And at some point someone else's might lose. I might win. And there's a reason why, like on the whole with this industry, the, I guess the casino industry, for example, on the whole, the casinos make money over the people that have it, but that doesn't, I kind of come to the realization that people find utility in playing the game in that, or they find value, I should say, more specifically, because sure. they like the chance of being able to do this, or they like the experience of doing this. And so, well, and then bear in mind that, like, yes. um, Richard, you know, the creator or from who knows, right? Like, of Hex was a major StarCraft 
player mm -hmm. in his 20s. So like the gamification is very much an important part and was very built into Hex, to the, to the smart contract. Mm -hmm. it, it was designed to be a game and it, it is one. Yeah. And so when you... Um, when you get to, so the or the origin address holdings, obviously mm -hmm. don't participate in the inflation rewards, and they also don't sell so far, so they don't get that either. But they do get half of the, I guess the the quitters penalty. Let's just call it. Yes. Right? So when mm -hmm. people say, I'm going to like, they miscalculate. Or like, so for example, they get, I'm going to stake long-term, I'm going to do all this stuff. And then they realize, oh, I was wrong. This is on an epic pump. I hear rumors of an SEC lawsuit around the corner, whatever it is. I'm staked too far into this. I uh -huh. made a mistake. I'm going to cut my losses. I'm going to pay a, f a, a wrong person fee. Uh -huh. And I'm going to go sell right now. And so I'm still up, but I'm not as up as if I had just had my stake for exactly that period of time, but I had no idea of knowing in the past. So I right. just, I pay that fee to get out and then everyone else earns it. But the house, let's call them yep. the, or, mm -hmm. the origin, the house makes some off of that. So uh -huh. have we had any kind of an analysis of how much the house is made in these kinds of early cancellation fees versus how much they've lost by not staking over the exact same period of time. Yeah, so the house actually does have some stakes. They're not large stakes, mm. um, and they're but like they're they're they don't not exist, right? Okay. The house does have some stakes. I couldn't tell you exactly in what amounts and what durations and where they mm. are. Although you could view all of that information on Hex.Vision if you wanted to, or look at Gunther's um, analysis, or watch the movie, which explains it. Um, or talk to Lamont, who also knows very well. Um, but so let's say the house does have that as well. I am sure that there is also like a full breakdown of how much the house has won slash lost. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know those numbers and I, mm -hmm. I, I can't pretend I, like I don't want to pretend that I do because. Yeah. yeah. And so do you know, do you just generally know if the house is maybe had profit or had loss. I mean, I don't know if that's that's been analyzed because I don't I don't know the numbers. In terms of USD value, I would say almost certainly that the house has lost because of, well, you know, it not yeah. taking <laughs> because of it not taking, you know, profits when hex hit 50 cents, right? Mm -hmm. So so but from, you know, from the original i you know yeah i mean i would say the house wins the house always wins now i yes. will say this this is not um this is not something that's like known i'm not speaking for yeah you know the origin address or the heck you know or hex i don't work for them i you know like i don't speak for richard or kyle or anyone right but like there is some speculation that should the SEC case come down to a question of whether HEX is sufficiently decentralized being one of the criteria that the SEC looks at in these crypto cases, right? Yeah. Um, that one Or thing... I should say that the judge 
in the suit because the SEC is saying it's not. That's they right. alleged that, and the judge right. would have to decide. Right. But so, so let's say that it comes down to this as the ruling. One thing that speculatively could be done mm-hmm. is the origin address could just stake everything and then early end stake it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they will, but if yeah. the origin address staked everything and then early end staked it, that would distribute half of what the origin address holds to stakers and allow the origin address to keep half of, you know, half of get half back. They could do that multiple times. Now, whether or not that will happen, I have no idea. I'm just like, I look at it from a mechanism of like, if that were the ruling and there were a way to get around it, could something be done that Mm -hmm. could be done? Yeah. So, let me hit because I see one time's already ch- typing another super chat, so I might as well get to the ones that he did before. Okay. So first of all, he said, um, "Does ETH contribute? Does contribute ETH mean surrender it, or do they still own it?" That's a little old. I think they meant when you're buying, when you're when you're contributing and getting hex during the original distribution. Right. Um, yeah. So in which case it means you, surrender it. I guess it's surrender. Yeah. Okay. It's essentially the same as like making a, making a trade, just like it was called the, um, it was called, it was not called the sacrifice. It was called the converter contract. So you were converting your ETH into hex. Yeah. It's so the other thing, the other question he had right here, and there might be another one that pops up while we're doing this, but um, he says, is Hex theoretically sustainable long-term? Can the price of Hex conceivably not eventually collapse? If everyone is expecting to withdraw more value than they entered with, then how and where is the extra value generated? Does this number of people entering Hex need to keep growing forever to sustain a steadily constant or growing price of Hex? So I would say that that's the case with any asset for Bitcoin to continue to go up in price. More people need to buy it than sell it. More people need to put their dollars or whatever, you know, value into it, into it for it to continue to go up. So in that way, I would say it's not dissimilar from like Ethereum, Bitcoin, you know, houses, anything else. Um, And that said, there is a discussion right now about Hex needing additional utility for it to continue to grow. Um, And that's something that uh, an influencer called um, your friend Sami and Lamont have been discussing I mean, quite friend. a lot. I don't know him, but yeah. Well, no, but, but <laughs> I'm just his, kidding. I'm making a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and then he also mentioned just now. Um, says feature access to money is less valuable than immediate access to money, which is kind of what we were breaking down about the two different um, the two different games people are playing. Right? There's the the right. staking and the not staking pieces. So, doesn't the hex model? reduce total value i guess this is where it gets a little bit more economically nuanced right because um i guess it like it doesn't necessarily reduce total value of money in hex but if people keep putting money into hex that's people who are not doing other things with their money so i guess it is it is i would say i guess correct me if i'm wrong but i would define it as the hex model captures total value or it, it 
it draws total value into the system. And I guess yeah. you could say it reduces exogenous value, right? Because it's in hex and not doing other stuff. But correct, yeah. I guess that's similar mm -hmm. of other things. Um, there at some point was a a post I saw from um, what's his name from um, Richard, where mm -hmm. it says, "Let me put that up on screen." Just a small, like a, a, I guess it's like a Telegram thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It says, the only way Hex gets USD value is through onboarding new users. If the origin gets 10% less Hex coins, but 40% more USD value, ain't that better? So, uh, basically, it seems like the... It's kind of interesting, um, like, the, the growth and investment model versus, like, different business models. So, for example, now, I have to say... This is this does remind me a little bit about of Bitcoin's present model, and yeah. I'll, I'll throw some criticisms of that in a little bit. But like, hey, one second, let me let my dog in. He's like scratching. Yeah, no problem. I'm gonna be right back, but I'm still yes. listening. I'll, and, I'll yeah. mention the business because I'm sure you've heard a yeah. bunch of times the Bitcoin model. So yeah, Bitcoin in the original model, right? In the original model of Bitcoin, people paid money to use this digital cash right they paid money to send and receive this digital cash and the fees were expected to go up over time not the fee per transaction necessarily but the entire fee revenue the customers of the bitcoin business the bitcoin network and so even if let's say you pay 10 cents a transaction um at some point if you only ever charge 10 cents per transaction or maybe more if it's a super high congestion bit but then in order to keep growing as a business, the price of Bitcoin under that original Satoshi's model, I should say, I'm not, not, I'm not getting all BSV in here. I'm just talking about, you know, the original idea of the peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, the way it was structured, because whatever Bitcoin is today, that's not how it was structured to be. Um, basically, the price of Bitcoin could be flat for an eternity but it would still be sustainable as long as more, as long as people continue to use it and more people continue to use it means it continues to grow even if people don't speculate on its value. Now, Bitcoin's model changed at some point. Oddly enough, through not changing because like once the block size was put in place, the limit was put in place, it not changing from that made the model change in kind of an ironic sort of way. But now... The only way Bitcoin remains sustainable is if the fee revenue doubles every, you know, four years, which is just not happening, right? Because people will only pay so much for a certain transaction. Or if the price doubles enough so that the reducing inflation is enough to still pay the miners to be secure. Because if the price of Bitcoin remains flat over the next 10 years, Bitcoin security goes in the toilet. Just honestly does. It's so... I think that like Bitcoin's model relies on getting new people to buy into the system. It just yes. does. There's no way of getting yes. around that. And people get very upset at that. It's, but it's true, right? Uh, and everything yes. has its own little business model. And so to a certain extent, the, the business model where on the whole hex users profit, meaning they make money, is a similar kind of a proposition. Now that doesn't mean that's the only value proposition because if I play a game with 10 other people, some of us make 
some money. Some of us lose money. On the whole, the amount of money that us 10 people goes down over time. That doesn't mean that it was useless because we had fun playing the game, you know, and we liked that we valued the chance that maybe being a couple of those people that made like a 50-50 raffle, right? Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean, but as far as an investment, if on the whole it's a reasonable investment, that does rely, as Richard said, on more people putting money in over time. And so that's kind of like, basically, I think that pretty well summarizes the entirety of like how, I won't say the entire, I'm never going to say entirety, right? Um, But of how Hex works and why you should use it. You should get Hex if you want to play in this game of this this approach or that approach or a mix of both, depending on what you do. You know, so that's, that's what it does. And so... When people say, now we're talking about like the scam part, because that's always what I broke down transparently does not sound like a scam if you know what you're getting into, right? You're, you're doing a thing. You're, you're, let's, let's talk yeah. about like, let's just use a non-cryptocurrency example for yeah. just like, just, just, okay, right? So before I got into cryptocurrency, I bought and sold clothing and then, you know, I bought clothing from like clearance centers Mm -hmm. or, you know, wherever, and then sold it on Amazon or eBay. Mm -hmm. And if I found like a dress that I was like, oh my God, this dress is amazing. It's going to look so good on so many people. Everyone's going to want this dress and I can get it at like a 90% discount but it's out of season right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna have to hold this dress for nine months or a year or whatever, right? So I buy a hundred of this dress in varying sizes Mm -hmm. and hold this dress and store store these dresses for a year. Then nine months or a year from now, what I'm betting Mm -hmm. is that more people are gonna want to buy that dress than Mm -hmm. did nine months or a year ago. Yeah, and so, well, in terms of like a dress, the value of a dress is twofold, right? It's one, you need to wear something, otherwise you get thrown in jail. Uh, (laughs) But two, you like, you derive value from the way it looks kind of thing, like when you're Mm -hmm. wearing it. And so if you're looking, if, and so if you pay money and don't get it back, I mean, I'm never getting the money back on this shirt, ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just, it's just not. But I'm happy because it's serving a purpose. I get to wear it on these podcasts and out in the world and, and that's kind of thing. Now, I guess the, that's the utility for a non, the utility then for like a hex kind of situation is in the ability to play the game. The game itself is the utility as it could be. And it could be the chance at doing really well in the game is the utility, right? And the the chance is worth, you know, the price of admission. And so uh, a lot of people throw on, the thing is crypto is such a new system that even though economics and incentives and stuff are absolutely not new, the way crypto is structured is new. And so people throw in, especially maximalists increasingly, everything's a scam. And a lot of people say projects that they don't like are scams. Like they say, ETH is a scam because of the giant ICO airdrop thingy. Now, for me, that makes it have a questionably decentralized start, basically a not decentralized start, and that's a, a, a decentralization something I value. And it could be a red flag, right? But it's not necessarily a scam if it's above board. 
And I've had people say, oh, you got scammed. See, you use this token and look at the price. You got ripped off. And I'm like, well, I bought it to, or I didn't buy it, honestly, because I don't buy it, you know, but I get paid in it. <laughs> and maybe I'll swap one for another sometimes, but I use uh-huh. it. I acquire the tokens to do a thing with it. And I guess my question is, first of all, did I do the thing with it? Did it do what it said it was going to do? And if the price dumps, who cares? It did, like, I'm not getting scammed. But mm-hmm. if it fails to do, like, the the part of the scam is twofold. I mean, you have to lose money and you have to be deceived. And that's the big mm-hmm. thing where, where it comes, like, um, when I say, like, I do not think Bitcoin is a scam. I think a lot of Bitcoin promoters are very much scammers, though, because mm-hmm. they're promising things dishonestly. They're saying it's going to go up forever. You don't know that. You know, it's it's going to this. Oh, you don't know that. You know, it's like it could if you say it could go up or you're saying because of its restricted inflation and all that kind of stuff versus the dollar, it has a much higher chance of performing. Well, that's a lot of nuance. That's not really dishonest at that point. And mm-hmm. so I guess when people say hex is a scam, according to everything we just laid out, if if this was anyone's, if this podcast was anyone's intro to hex, I don't think anyone choosing to buy it could reasonably say they got scammed. Do you do you think you? The agree? contract does exactly what the contract said yes. that it would do. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. So where people get get dicey, and where I personally don't, I guess, like it so much is when is some of the marketing language of and again we're talking there's a couple different we have to be very specific so that we don't like say the wrong thing Um, the contract does not lie right because Mm -hmm. code is law right you know code is law it's out there if you look into the contract and see what it does you know exactly what it does and you're not going to if you understand it you're not getting scammed so now, I don't know who runs whatever, but so I'm just going to put up this thing from an early Hex promotion, the one that says, Hex, the first high interest Bitcoin certificate of deposit, or blockchain, I should say, certificate of deposit, mm-hmm. free for Bitcoin holders. Yes, all that's mm-hmm. true. But then it says, Hex is designed to increase in value faster than anything else in history. And so, I mean, yeah. In some ways, sure, probably. I don't know if, if we can, but also it's designed to, if you do other things, the opposite, possibly. Sure. One thing to remember, I don't know where this advertisement came from. Do you yes. happen to know? No, I saw it. It's a screenshot of something that I saw. Although I do also have the actual, the the current Hex website, which obviously is post SEC, whatever. So clearly this is, it's, you know, how it's supposed to be. So Right. Um, hex mining, or you know, it's it's not technically mining, but you know, terminology, whatever, uh-huh. averages thirty eight percent returns a year. So, mm-hmm. and that's the staking stuff, right? That's the and that thirty eight percent returns per year is not relative to USD value. That would be relative to um, the increase in hex, and it assumes the average stake length, which is about seven years. Yeah. So it averages 38% a year, three plus years. Are you mint your own rewards and stuff like that? Let me just scroll 
Oh, here's the highest stakes thing. I will. I haven't actually even seen the trailer. I will have to actually watch watch. You that. have to see it. Oh my gosh, Joel! I'm so yes. upset that you didn't go see it. I was gonna send you free tickets. Yeah. Um. So, this is future of finance year. Hex is totally decentralized. You mint your own rewards. There are no middle benefits. Mm-hmm. And used to. And then it says it used to cost fifty seven cents. Now they're worth 79 cents. So clearly saying it's going to go up in value. Now, it's not worth 70, sorry, $79, I should say. It's not worth $79. It's about half that today. Um, one could equally say the opposite. It used to be, what was the hex peak? Do you remember what the peak price was? Are we talking about the price per T-share or the price per um, I guess price I guess hex unit. token because that's what... That's what it says here is the used to cost 57 cents per 10,000 hex. Now it's worth 79, although it's like 30 something. I checked a few hours ago. Okay. So, so, so yeah, I'm not exactly sure what number you're looking at. I know that the peak price of hex was right about 50 cents a token. But when they say that the price only goes up, they're talking about the price of a T-share and that price relative to hex. So like... A T-share may cost less in dollars today than it did yeah. six months ago, but it does not cost less in hex. Yeah. So this thing right here, for example, says 10,000 hex. I'm not sure if it didn't specify a T-share. So I guess it's just hex. Mm. It used to cost 57 cents. Now those 10,000 are worth $79 or, or half that. So it's saying... It's literally quoting a historical fact, right? Or mm-hmm. at least, I mean, now is relative to when this got put out there, which is mm-hmm. not today. But um, it's clearly saying it goes up in USD mm-hmm. value. Now, it also mm-hmm. has gone significantly down from the top. That is not specifically mentioned. And I don't think you have to necessarily say, well, the, the price dumped. But I think well, but if you say is, the price pumped, there... you should say that it dumped too. So, but but that's that said, there uh, there are multiple places on the Hex mm-hmm. webpage that say cryptocurrencies are extremely volatile. You know, it's normal. You know, it's, it's entirely yeah. normal for a price to you know for prices to increase or decrease by over ninety nine percent in value. You know, you should that is explicitly on the website. That said, I do understand what you're saying. Yes. It's being marketed. Hex is changing lives, it says here. Delayed gratification is the key to success in personal development investing, blah, blah, blah. Hex pays average of 38% APY on average. Hex share price went up 16000 something per fold. Yeah, so, and then it shows these ads and stuff uh, about all this stuff. So clearly, what, the, again, we're talking a decentralized smart contract, a, a deployed smart contract that does exactly what it says it does. Mm-hmm. And there's people running a website, which I don't know who runs the Hex website. I'd assume it probably has someone to do with whoever created it or is behind the the origin address, but you know, not necessarily. And also whoever controls the origin address created Hex, maybe, or was it created it mm-hmm. and then now has no control over it today. So it could be someone created something to run a certain way. And then that same person then decided to do weird things, but it doesn't impact the original code because the code is just out there. Right. Correct. There's clearly mm-hmm. that kind of that. Um, someone in the comments, by the way, said that 
um, the one before was a screenshot of the OG Hex website about big design to go up. But I guess this is where we get like, and it, this reminds me of the SEC um, hair splitting on like the library case, for example, and uh-huh. even the Ripple case. I would say the mm-hmm. Ripple case is a better thing where the judge ruled in that case that secondary sales of XRP are not securities offerings. Mm-hmm. And however, did say Ripple illegally sold securities, meaning XRP, and mm-hmm. they are going after the found like the founders o- over that. And so it's like the the exact same asset is being said it was not is not a security and absolutely is a security in the same mm-hmm. decision because of the nuance. The nuance is they sold it as a security, and therefore. You know, they they clearly sold it to raise capital for a company. Um, I guess presenting it as tied to the company. However, today the token is not that thing, and if it's sold by third party exchanges, it isn't. So mm-hmm. I would kind of probably, I think it might be fair to apply a similar type of thing to Hex, where right, except for that there is no Hex company. Yes. Well, I'm I'm just saying about the the website in particular. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, where Hex is just, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an innovative game, right? Mm-hmm. That a, a kind of like a, I would, I wouldn't even say like, maybe slot machine's not the best way because slot machine just push a button. But in the way that it's like, it's automated in that way that mm-hmm. it just, it runs. And so it mm-hmm. offers the opportunity for people to play this game against each other. If, the game is fun. I guess that's the utility or people like to play it. People will keep on putting money in and then everyone who is in earlier on the whole, if you average out everything tends to do well, otherwise mm-hmm. the opposite. But in that game, some people will do better and other people will not do better. And the value they play is the opportunity to play that game. That's the value they derive from that. So that's pretty transparent. I guess that you could call it not a scam. Even the origin address and things like that um, is, I guess, the cost of whoever created the system. It's them taking the fee for putting this thing on. It's just like, okay, it's like Except the house they have thread. not actually taken the fees yet. Yeah. Well, they haven't realized them yet, but the, right, right. it goes to mm-hmm. that address. And mm-hmm. so as long as that's above board in the contract, so if you understand the contract and you're playing the game you say this this didn't come out for free like this thing didn't just come out of nowhere for free for this thing someone is getting paid or some entity is getting money for providing the service to people and Mm -hmm. as long as you understand that that's the risk and that and they only get paid if you if you break the rules of the game so to speak it's like a break the rules fee as long as you mm-hmm. understand that, it's all above board. Now, whoever is behind the marketing, I would say currently, but definitely in the past as well, behind of the Hex website, I think that that's probably not, that's like Bitcoin Maximalist saying, this is going to, you're going to be a millionaire if you just buy one Bitcoin today. Like it's, I would, I would call, I don't think that's perfectly above board to say that. Those people okay. saying that. That's okay. That's my, I guess, my opinion. I don't know if you. No, have I think I think a that. lot of the criticism of Hex has revolved around the marketing. So I think mm-hmm. that is a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, do you feel? And it, I kind of mentioned a little bit before we started the show. 
I guess my goal is to get us on the same page to get uh-huh. kind of get everyone on the same page rather than a debate where people are yelling at each other. Do you feel like we're kind of on the same page, whether or not we personally agree on certain things? Yeah. I mean, Joel, you know, we always are able to get to the same place yeah i do i think so i mean i think that there's so much more that like we could totally get yeah, into absolutely. With pulse and pulse sex and <laughs> I the know, sacrifices i don't know if it's but, showing my shirt i'm starting to sweat through it because the no i know we'll so we're gonna to, have to wrap we'll this up pretty soon this but, conversation yeah. in another day yeah for sure um i think before we wrap things up let me just make sure i didn't miss any comments or anything um yeah, so is there anything you want to shill now? It's shill o'clock. Anything you work <laughs> personally working on? Anything you'd like people to look into? I mean, maybe you should say watch The Highest of Stakes because I know you've talked about it a couple times. Yeah, so I would love for you to watch The Highest of Stakes. It is no longer showing at theaters in the United States, but it oh. will. it is at theaters in the UK this weekend, tomorrow and Sunday. So did it just go um, through a run and then the run is over? Is that why it's not? Yeah, so they did a first week run. The first week run completely sold out in the US. They decided to add a second week run. The second week run didn't do quite as well. Um, UK really demanded screenings. So They added some screenings in the UK. The ultimate aim is to get this movie into streaming services. Um, The reason that streaming services have not like been enthusiastic about picking it up is because it's about crypto and nobody dies or goes to jail. And that's really what they're looking for right now. At least that's what I'm being told. Um, So like, so, you know, that's what I'm being told. So here is, the call to action if you want to see this movie and you're not in a place where you're able to go see it in a movie theater would be like use the highest of stakes hashtag across social media platforms like hey mm-hmm. hulu hey netflix hey x.com why can't i stream hashtag the highest of stakes um you know and let people know that there's demand for it because that's mm-hmm. what it's going to take to get one of these services to license it. You can also buy pre-purchase a box set from the highest mm-hmm. of stakes website. If you want to see it that badly, mm-hmm. um, that also has bonus features, which by the way, I'm in the movie, but oh, was nice. cut from, I, I was I've cut from the movie. So well, I'm, I'm in definitely the not getting a box set if you're I, not in it. I'm in the bonus mm. features. Um, so uh, there's that. I also write for Crypto Mag, which we've talked about multiple mm-hmm. times. I do a column, the ins- an insider's guide or confessions of a crypto insider. That's the name of mm-hmm. my column. Um, and I write other articles for them as well. I also sell ad space for them. So if you like want an ad and like a advertorial, if you haven't read my writing, you know, judge for yourself. But like, I think I'm pretty good. So yeah. I think so. <laughs> so. Yeah. So if that's something you're interested in, get in touch with me. The best way to reach me is on Twitter at nerdgirl007, no vowels. It's the same across all social platforms. But like, if you send me a message on Telegram, I get thousands of them every day. I'll probably miss yeah. it. I put that in. I put the handle in the... Um in the live chats real quick. So mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's cryptomag.finance, right? Is that the, the correct site? That is. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the site. Mm-hmm. But few- it's actually a physical magazine. So yes. like, yeah, so not everything that goes into the physical magazine goes on the, you know, on the website. And then Crypto Weekly is the other publication and that gets mm-hmm. published every two weeks. Yeah. I mean, sounds good. A lot of fun stuff you're working on. Uh, thanks so much for being on. It's uh, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a very good chat. I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and at some point, like, I like, I hope a lot of people watch this because this is the kind of stuff I like to do. I like to really go. I would say deep, not in like, well, there's more contract execution, but like, get deep into the, like, boiling something down to something that I think people can feel like they understand. You know, mm-hmm. because I do a lot with people who are interested in crypto, but have no idea how it works. And a lot of people are into it and don't understand how it works. And I, I kind of like going through and asking all the questions, going to like, okay, this and that. And like most people, when they think about inflation models and things like that, don't actually think about what does that mean? Like who pays for what? Or like people don't think about value. Like you think, oh, of course you sell a coffee. It's like, but why would you pay for a coffee? It's because it provides you the value of it tastes good. If you like that, it gives you some energy or maybe you want to sit in a coffee shop and work and it provides a better productivity environment. You're paying for all that value you get stuff like that. I really, I enjoy this stuff, but it's kind of nerdy. Like people don't, I don't know if people just want to know price go up or like, I hope this kind of stuff does well is all I'm saying because I I, I have fun doing it. There's this notion, right? Like, a lot of people within the cryptocurrency bitcoiner space just automatically have this negative idea about inflation like oh if it's inflationary mm-hmm. it's bad but i think that the the issue with our inflation in fiat is not that there's inflation it's that there's uncapped inflation right like yeah, we have arbitrary no inflation too yeah yeah so like when inflation is capped it's not necessarily a bad thing. And that's something that probably a lot of people, you know, don't mm-hmm. think about. Yeah, of haven't course. Thought about. And uh, also a lot of people really think um, that like they don't like Ethereum today because Ethereum has uncapped inflation. Well, not uncapped, but it mm-hmm. has permanent inflation of a certain level, except for other conditions. And it's like, oh, I don't like that. And yeah. um like a lot of people don't realize, and just the last thing, because we could just go on for another hour and then I'll really sweat. Oh, we, we could get so into but, Ethereum right now. But yeah, but just Bitcoin could. versus Monero, people's like some Bitcoin maxis are like, I don't like Monero because it has infinite inflation. Yeah, but also has significantly lower inflation than Bitcoin right now. Mm. And they're like, but it's not inflation because the price is going up. I'm like, well, you don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's. It's stimulating to me, I should say. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for watching. Sorry for dragging you into another two-hour podcast. I think it might have been almost that last week. So, well, you know, you guys better like and subscribe and all this kind of stuff. So, yes. absolutely do that. Um, next week, I think I'm doing a Dash podcast in the morning on Friday, next Friday, and then the usual news show. Um, so. The dash one, oops, sorry. Um, I just scheduled it today. So um, it should be a deep dive into the technical things of dash evolution, which is, you know, very, fingers crossed, very close to final mainnet release and 
does stuff very differently than almost anything else in crypto from what I've heard. And as such, there's that whole like, well, what does it do differently? Is it's well, why data contracts? What's what's Grove DB, this data database it uses, and like all this. I thought it was digital cash. Like, why is it doing like a lot of that? Like, I feel like I have like a seventy-five percent answer to that question. I'm gonna try to get Paul from research, um, Paul DeLucio from research on that to get get me up to a hundred percent. So that'll be interesting. And then also, Paul Puey is on the regular news show. You know, Paul from Edge. Mm-hmm. It's Paul from Research and Paul from Edge. It's a two Paul day next week. Wow. Friday. Different Pauls. All right. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I hope that I did an adequate job of answering people's mm-hmm. questions and representing what the heck smart contract is and all that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was great. I mean, I um, I knew some mm-hmm. about Hex. I knew more leading up to this, but I, I learned a significant amount this like I there's a few extra things where I feel much better equipped to tell someone about it after this podcast. So all thanks to what you've said. So thanks very much for that. Um like, comment, share, subscribe everyone. I'm gonna hit the end thing and I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.